Radio, Season 2, Episode 9 and 10. So you've heard of Christmas specials and Thanksgiving specials, and everyone loves a Halloween special. But what about the 4th of July? Well, listen to this. It's the 4th of July holiday special with two stories. Let's start with story one. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Or maybe the penguin. We see a tiny baby penguin who's actually penguin. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's way too far back. Let's move forward in time a little bit. Okay, there we go. Things were simple and normal. People were still on Earth and the animals were just plain animals. The world was a lot like today's world. People were rude and always in a hurry. Everybody was a droid with a phone in their hand, always in a rush. Countries fought over money, oil, and power. One dictator of a very small country started using androids to attack different parts of the world, spreading terror and trying to capture weaker countries to force them under his rule. Lots of people at this point would have robots. They were used to extend someone's life. And for the really brave and select few, some were commissioned by the government to be secret assassins and protect America. They were created to bring the peace, but the rich purchased them to be butlers. The big topic on the news was the war, fighting robots with robots and people leaving Earth for good. Planets in outer space like Mars and Europa started to be colonized. The technology was created so it was possible. A lot of people fled as soon as they got a chance. The rich were the first to go, but the middle class and poor couldn't afford that kind of luxury. And now, we're stuck fighting a battle they were losing. Some people of the world carried on as if nothing was happening. Others cowered in fear in their bomb shelters waiting for the inevitable. Now, to our lovable characters. You remember Beamer, right? Here he is in the past. We see a TV turn on. It's on the local PBS channel. The show playing is called Zubuwafu. The TV program teaches kids about animals. There's two brothers and a lemur, and they go out on adventures, exploring nature together. Next was Fauna. We see her up at the North Pole with Santa's other reindeer, Dasher, Prancer, Rulu, and Claire, just chilling outside in a field grazing, waiting for Christmas. If you look above Fauna's head, you can see a little puffy duck cloud in the sky. We zoom in on the cloud and burst through it. You feel the condensation on your face, don't you? We zoom down out of the cloud to New York City, where we see Sadie Squirrel was a sidekick to a superhero named Squirrel Woman. As they jump off the building to fight crime, we lower down into the city and arrive in a park. Nearby, we see a raccoon who lives in the park. He is stuck in a trap and gets saved by Sir Paul McCartney, who would start to visit him every weekend to feed him and his friend, the ducks. As we soar upwards out of the park to get a bird's eye view, we see a kid crying, running out into the street, and almost gets hit. The truck crashes and chemicals blind the poor kid. We see four turtles get swept down into the sewer drain, but there was a fifth turtle that never made it down the drain. The kid in the accident would become blind, but he would find the turtle anyway. He would name him Tommy. Over across the street inside of a TV store, we focus in on the TV and see Jack Wood. He was the most important groundhog ever, but only on February 2nd, Groundhog's Day. It would also be his birthday. We see a stranger walk by listening to the radio. We zoom in and out from the radio. And now we see a man inside the radio booth that looks strangely familiar. It's Morty the Mortician. 99.9 WBUZ, the bus home to your classic rock. Stay tuned for tonight's bone-chilling radio adventure that will leave you with goosebumps. Get ready for the late night scare with Morty the Mortician. Hello, snitches with stitches. Settle in tight, but tonight's story will have you dying in laughter. <laughs> what do two guys, a confession, and a saw have in common? Stay tuned to find out. Morty's boss entered the studio and said, Hey, Morty, I don't know if you've heard the news, but we're going offline tonight. Actually, right after your show. The country's going into quarantine and locking down. Wait, so I'm fired? Well, fine. Fuck you and fuck this place. Oh, come on, Morty. Don't take it hard. You're a great DJ. I have no doubt that you'll be able to find another radio gig. People love your goosebump stories. It's called the Late Night Scare. No, right now. I put a little extra in your check. Take care, buddy, and good luck. The big boss walked away and Morty storms back into the studio. He was going to do a break, but decided not to. He went and grabbed everything off of his desk 
and a few extra things from the prize closet and headed out the door. He would arrive home and there would be a message from the doctor on his answering machine. Hello, Morty. It's Dr. Nick. Please give me a call back at the office as we must discuss your treatment. Morty called the doctor. Hey, Dr. Dowd. It's me, Morty. Hello, Morty. How are you feeling today? I feel pretty good. Pretty normal. Good, good. I'm glad to hear. So, I have some terrible news, Morty. The treatment that I've been giving you is no longer working. Wait, what's that mean? It means I get your affairs in order. But, is there anything I can do? Well, yes, there is a new controversial thing that you can do where we map your brain and throw it inside of a robot. I don't know, Doc. Sounds like holy written science fiction to me. Well, the decision is up to you. Lots of people are trying to do it because the Doomsday Clock moved another minute closer to Doomsday Midnight. They figure if their minds are in robots when the nukes start flying, they have a better chance at surviving. I believe I have one opening for tomorrow morning. Um, yes, yes. Do you want it? People aren't concerned about the robots being properly manufactured or um, programmed and taking over or not working. Oh, heavens no. He thought long and hard before he made his decision. Fine. Okay, you've convinced me. Sign me up. Okay, Morty. I'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. And Morty, for what it's worth, I think you're doing the right thing. Morty hung up the phone. He was scared to die. He wouldn't leave behind any family, no legacy, only memories of the people he's touched along the way. He went to bed and Towson turned all night. The morning came with a flash. Morty got up and headed to the hospital. They would put him under and turn him into a robot. Morty would come in and out of consciousness, hearing little bits of a small conversation. I can't believe you have done it, and successfully, I might add. He is really cute for an android. Wow, well endowed, too. I don't care how big and shiny his shaft is, damn it. Upload this to the damn robot. He'll be the first of its kind, protecting America. Maybe we can stop this doomsday clock. Images of Morty's life flashed. He saw swimming in a river with friends, being in a band in high school, his first kiss. But he also sees how to do martial arts now, how to shoot. Morty wakes up in the hospital in a cold sweat, breathing heavily. What? What's going on? Where am I? Who am I? Nurses came running into the room to comfort him. Once they calmed him down, a USA general walked inside his room and took off his hat. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Son, you're in the hospital, and you have transferred your conscience into a robot to preserve your life. Your name is Mortimer Mason. You have been selected as part of a government program to protect America. My name is Mortimer? Mortimer? I'm just gonna stand over here by this window and make sure no one wants to kill me. Two guys barged into Morty's room with guns trying to hold everybody hostage. But Morty went right to work and his training kicked in. He got him from his family and left across the room and took one guy down. He would grab the guy's gun to which he took down and him and the other bad guy would have a shoot off. Everybody would die in the room except for Morty. Morty panicked and escaped to the hospital, but it wasn't long before the government would capture him. I can't believe we had the rotten luck of training this stupid machine. I know, right? This thing doesn't need your help. We're flawed. It's not. Did you hear about the staging they did for this guy? No, what? They killed six good men staging a scene just to see if his military program kicked in. Sick fucking bastards. This piece of junk is flawed. It needs to learn how to kill just the enemies, not everybody. And because I got caught getting a blowjob, I'm the lucky one that has to train it and risk my life. Morty sat in a chair with a sack over his head. One soldier removed it and cut him free. Robot! Shoot the target! Morty got up and went to take the shot. Was it his programming that caused him to do this? He wondered. As he fired, one soldier knocked him over and would continue to do this multiple times, while the other soldier would try jumping in front of him right before he took his shot. Morty's programming would keep him from killing any friendly soldiers, no matter what. As aggravating as the asshole soldiers were, Morty would pass their tests with flying colors. The soldier stepped away for a moment and brought back a robot puppy. Robot! Shoot the dog! Inside, all of his programming was screaming not to do it, but he couldn't keep his hand from raising the gun slowly towards the dog's head. He tried to fight it to push through and take control of his own robot body. The gun would be at the dog's head and that finger on the trigger ready to roll. A shot would be fired, but it would not be at the dog. 
We see Morty had broken through his programming. He shot the one soldier in his leg and the other one in his arm. He quickly grabbed the robot puppy and ran off. Days would turn into months, and the months would turn the doomsday clock down to one minute to midnight. Morty was happy with the choices he had made, but something inside of him was telling him he needed to complete his mission. But he had no clue on what it was. Everybody had become like a droid with a phone in their hand. He saw on the TV robots that were taking care of humans would now rise up and start killing them. This put people at odds with robots demanding that they all be shut off or disassembled. <sighs> I wish I knew my purpose. We see Morty tend to his saliva plant, putting some of his coating into the plant to make it even better. He walks in his house and gets a glass of oil. He turns on the TV and sees an army commercial appear. It gets interrupted by a special report. World is spread across the globe. The doomsday clock will strike tonight at midnight. The soldiers have begun to evacuate the planet and the local drop zone before they leave forever. Earth is doomed! The dictator, Odie Octoborn, had claimed tonight was the night that he changed the world forever. Please remember folks, don't panic and take care of each other in these dark times. I hope to see you all in the other world. Morty shut off his TV. I think I finally figured out what I can do. He went to his closet and grabbed his gear and headed off to the airport. He would pull someone out of their small plane and took off into the night sky. As he got closer to his target's base, his plane would get shot down. He ended up ejecting his seat before the plane had blown up. As he glided down to the air, he struggled to get the parachute released. It would not open in time. He would come crashing down. He hit the ground hard and buried half of himself in the mud. Days, weeks, even months would go by until one day, he turned back on. Solar energy recharged. Something inside of Morty said, Computer, replay back for me my last few recorded logs I've created. He sees his plane is shot down, and a mission brief of who he's supposed to eliminate flashed inside of his memory. Other old memories of working at the radio station are being watched by him. Hmm, take out the dictator and save the world. As Morty was walking, he came upon a singing flower and thought to himself, This place looks strangely familiar. The flower sang, Come out by the train. The rain, woo woo, come out by the train, choo 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 chain. It was the flower field from the last episode. This area had already been hidden with a blast and began to mutate its surrounding. Morty realized that the flowers had no effect on him and pushed forward. He would see a car on fire and rush to it. A man inside in a strange green fog started blowing towards him. He ripped the door of the car off and carried the human into the building nearby that said XYZ Broadcasting. Oh my god. I work in Android. <laughs> Thank you for saving me. Please, let me replenish your strength. What's your name? Hi, Morty. And don't worry about it. I'm programmed to keep all humans safe, amongst other things. You're gonna save us all, Marty, aren't you? <laughs> I'm sure as hell going to try. Another bomb released from the sky came crashing down. But instead of blowing up, it dispersed something into the air. The humans began to cough and worse, mutate. What's going on? What was that thing? It's a biological, <laughs> chemical airborne virus that sits in a bomb. And when it released, it kills or mutates humans. He's trying to... <coughs> Make the world in his image. We thought he had nukes, but it was so much more worse than we thought. Who is doing this? <laughs> the dictator... North. <sighs> the guy passed out. Something inside of Morty snapped. He stormed off in anger and went to find this little bitch dictator. He planned to end this right here and right now. On his journey, he would get ambushed by many goblins and hobgoblins. But we just get to see what an amazing fighter he was programmed to be. After defeating the hobgoblins and goblins, he would be covered in their blood. But it wouldn't be long before Morty finally found his target. Excellent. <laughs> I've gotten over half the people in the world to evacuate. Due to my war on the robots and my biochemical weapon, we'll change the rest. And they can serve me while I build this utopia for them. <laughs> Morty came crashing through the window, firing shot after shot. Guards! Kill him! The mutated 
shark guards were no match for Morty, as he defeated all the sharks. The dictator tried to flee away, but Morty threw a knife at him as he was running, and it stuck him to the wall. Morty finished off killing the remaining guards and left over to the dictator. I want the cure, or I'll waste you. Are you stunned? Go ahead. <laughs> waste me. If you do, all my bombs release at the time of my death. If you don't kill me, I'm gonna release them anyway. There is nothing you can do to stop me, Robot. <laughs> the dictator reached for his watch, but Morty cut off his hand. You see, Robot, I was smart enough to release little bombs here and there, slowly changing everything. Animals are evolving, and people are mutating. I win no matter what, and they'll all worship me. <sighs> we'll see about that. Morty didn't know what to do. No matter what, it seems like everybody remaining on the planet would be fucked. His robots have been extinct for a few years now. But after I uploaded a virus in their programming, that was the end game. While everybody was distracted, I've been able to seize over half the world. The people left are mine to control. They have no money, no power, nothing at all. I have... Morty drew his sword and took off the dictator's head. Multiple bombs would release into the air and land all around the world. This would mutate the rest of mankind into mutants. Animals would evolve and learn to speak English and work together as one, unlike the human race. Morty stared at the dead dictator. He ripped his heart out of his chest, hoping that if he kept the heart beating, maybe the missiles wouldn't fire. But it was too late, and it didn't work. The whole house Morty and the Dictator fought in started shaking. A pillar would fall along the dead Dictator's body. The floor would crumble before Morty. An explosion below would send him flying high into the atmosphere. He would travel some good distance before finally coming crashing down. Once again, he would break upon landing. Sixty years would pass, this time before he would finally be rebooted. He awoke in her lab. Huh? What's going on? What's happening? Where am I? Who am I? It's okay. Everything's fine. I found your shattered body in pieces, and I've tried my best to give you a new body and repair you. You're in New York? I'm Dr. Quinn. Josh Quinn. I specialize in restoring old machines such as yourself. Your name is Morty. My name is Morty? The thoughts came rushing back. We've got to save everyone. We're all in trouble. Morty hadn't noticed that the scientist that saved him was actually a Penguin. For those listening, it's actually Mr. Penguin's father. Dr. Quinn spoke softly. What's the last thing you remember? Beheading someone. Beheading someone? Maybe I shouldn't resemble them. It was the dictator. I had to do it to save the world. But you didn't save it. The bombs released. Killed all the human life as we know it on Earth. What? I failed? It's gonna be okay. The world is a much better place than it was 60 years ago. Did you say 60 years ago? Yes. Can you walk, Morty? I think it would be a little safer for you at my home than here in this lab. You could be the key proving our evolution. Morty stood up and they went on their way. It wouldn't be long before they arrived at Dr. Penguin's house. Just please wait here for a few minutes as I try to explain everything to my wife. I'll be back shortly to collect you. Dr. Penguin would disappear into his house. Kids shouted Dad's home wouldn't be heard. He was greeted by hugs and kisses from his family. Morty thought it looked like he had the perfect life. Moments would pass, and then the arguments would start. Dr. Gwyn was fighting for the robot to be protected and safe in their home. And his wife was fighting for her family and what would happen to them if someone discovered that they were harboring such a thing. She brought up points like, what if the government tried to come and take him away? What if they wanted to exterminate them all? And would exterminate them just for owning him? Maybe they wanted to experiment on the robot. Dr. Quinn assured her Morty would protect them. Little Pink Quinn would run into the room to gather everybody to come listen to the new late night scare episode on the radio. As Morty sat in the car, he turned on the radio to drown out the sound of the parents fighting. He even found the program on the radio of the late night scare. While he turned it on, he realized it was actually an old recording of himself. When he was a human way back then, he couldn't believe that 60 years had gone by and his programs were still being enjoyed today. Morty felt good about himself. It was a small legacy, but nevertheless, still a legacy. Morty looked away for a few moments, staring at the full moon in the night sky. When he finally looked back at the house, he saw something go through the window. He got out of the car and would go running towards the house. But by the time he got there, Dr. Penguin was dead. He looked all around the house. He saw his wife and child were chewed up and spit back up on the floor, dead. 
Morty's eyes turned to red, and the killing began. There were six sharks that Morty killed. On his way out, he heard a noise come from the floor below. He scanned the area and went over to the floorboard and lifted it up. It was revealed in the National Animal Database that it was Little Panquin. He grabbed him up and off into the night they went. Strap in, hold on, because now is story two of this whamtastic 4th of July holiday special 40 years advance from the last story. We see a high school hallway with different animals prancing throughout the hall. The clock strikes 2.30 and the bells ring. We see Lemur wander out of his class and up to his locker and open it. A lemon and a turtle walk up behind him. Hey, Red. So at the end, I'm going to do a drum solo. Just keep it under seven minutes. So what's the deal for tonight's show? Are we going to be able to practice before we go on? Well, school called me in for the battle of the bands tonight, but I'll be ready to go. I think Boss Steve can lose us for a couple hours tonight. My drum set's in the music room already here set up. Yeah, I also got called into work, and somehow I gotta go and pick up my new bass for the show tonight. But I don't think we'll have time to practice. Plus, I keep telling you guys, we're good. Do you want me to grab it? I do have my bass here, but I kind of wanted the new one to show off at the show. It's not a must, but thanks, bro. I'm hoping our boss, Box Lunch, will let me step out and grab it. How cool would that be to get paid to grab a bass? It would be pretty shattered. I'm gonna go get some grub. We'll be playing wiffle ball in the parking lot before the show if you can sneak out. Red bump fist with Tommy and Lemur and bounce down. Boss Steve called you in too? Yeah. I told him no, but you know how imposing it can be. Well, between both of us, we should be able to finish early. You ever notice how the main janitors call out for big events like Battle of the Band, Homecoming, or Proms? Dude, whoa, you just totally blew my mind. You're so right, but I don't really care. Call out all you want. I like money. Lemur closed his locker and walked over to Tommy's. As he put what he needed into his bag and switched books, Rocky showed up. <coughs> Excuse me. Hello? Move, Dingo. Lemur moved out of his way. Tommy stared at Rocky, giving him a look that could kill. They locked eyes and Lemur and Tommy started to walk away. How did a ninth grader get a senior locker? Ridiculous. I think the ninth grade's the biggest class to date to ever attend here. He probably finger-blasted Mrs. Osborne to get one of those lockers. Ah, oh, dude, that's just gross. Have you seen her? She's alive when humans were. You know, sometimes you go too far with your stories. Like that time you told me when you pooped it was so big that you actually had to stand up from the toilet. I could have lived without knowing that. <laughs> Chuck Wood and Fauna walked down the hall together. They were the power couple of the school. Fauna greeted everyone as they passed. Hi! Hey, dude. Hey, my sister from another mister. As two people were not paying attention, one of them would be holding a Oreo cookie. Fauna would walk by and slap the Oreo out of their hand and say, <laughs> Oops, you dropped your Oreo. <laughs> it was a inside gag between her and Pixie. Fauna was popular but respected. She had organized a bring your own lunch band to get healthy food served in the cafeteria. She made sure all the dances were really fun, as well as all the other school activities. Chuck Wood handed out dirty looks at everyone saying hi to Fauna as they passed. As Chuck Wood and Fauna walked by Lemur and Tommy, Lemur spoke up. Hey Fauna, are you gonna be at the Battle of the Bands tonight? Yeah, I'm one of the judges. Really? That's so awesome. Hope you go easy on us. I hope you bring your A-game. Fauna and Lemur had a moment where they fixed into each other's eyes and almost kissed, but neither one of them acted. Chuck Wood didn't like this. He picked Lemur up and slammed him against the random locker. Are you hitting on my girl, pup? Nah, you ain't that stupid. Talk to her again and see what happens. She's too good for a loser like you anyway. He puckered his lips and made a kissing sound to Fauna. Hey, Fauna. I'll see you tonight. Chuck bowled his fist back to hit Lemur when Tommy popped in and out of his shell with a turtle pop super fast and screamed. Turtle pop, 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 Tommy knocked Chuck Wood on the ground. Lemur was stunned and screamed. Let's cheese it. He hit Chuck Wood with his tail with the Lemur thwap. Lemur thwap, thwap, thwap. The guys booked through the hallway running away to the senior parking lot. Rocky quickly grabbed his bag and closed his locker. He spit on Chuck and gave him a quick rocket punch as he fled in the same direction. 
Lemur and Tommy jumped into Lemur's car, and he said, Let's ride. They pulled off, not seeing Rocky had just popped through the doors as they pulled away. He yelled, Hey, Lemur, Lemur, can I get a ride, please? Son of a bitch! A big, intimidating bulldog walked past Rocky and asked, Uh, what'd you say about my mom? Nothing. Rocky took off running towards his bus. Chuck Wood would emerge through the same doors as Rocky did that led to the senior parking lot. Chuck Wood and his posse, Crow Guy and Woodchuck, and now a bulldog guy, would start chasing Rocky. He would just narrowly make it on his bus and head home, as he was safe now. Meanwhile, in town, Lemur and Tommy drove off to Papa Marino's Pizza Shop to grab something to eat. They were walking back to Lemur's car with their food when Tommy said, Hey, man. A man, where? Catch up. I heard it's good luck. <laughs> hey, dude. What do you want to do with your life? Dude, imagine if there really was a man around everywhere. Everyone would be freaking out, losing their minds. They would be freaking out. I would be freaking out, losing my mind, or wondering if it was the weed we just smoked. But come on, bird dog. I'm serious. I think I eventually want to travel and see our big, beautiful world. Come on. Don't be lame. Be lean. You gotta have a dream or some goal you hope to achieve. I don't know, bro. I just never thought about it. I mean, we're only 18. We still got a lot of life to live. I'm telling you, bird dog, even squirrels hide nuts for the winter. Think about it. Don't be lame. Be lean. How can I be lame? You're so lame, you got it all covered for the both of us. That's a lot of lame, dude. Lame's gonna be you if you don't get that new bass. Remember you broke a string? Oh, fuck. I totally forgot. I think Steve will let us go. We can always just duck out. Duck out? Did the duck start that? I don't know. So what's your answer? What do you want to do with your life? Um, I don't know. Rock and roll all night and party every day. Woo! You're fucking nuts, Lee. Lemur's phone rang. It was the music store calling him and reminding him his bass was ready to be picked up and was already paid for. So which song should we do, Numb Nuts? Definitely something from AIC. I was hoping you were going to say that. Dude, you sound almost like the original singer. Almost? I'm like his vocal twin. Lemur started the car and they headed back to the school to hurry up and clean it before the big show. Tommy and Lemur were part-time cleaners at the school they went to. Across the parking lot, a beautiful red car pulled up and a penguin waddled out. It was Mr. Penguin. I need to grab krill, fish, chips, and I'll fit myself to one. No, three frustrations. He walked into the grocery store that was right next to the pizza shop and grabbed his things. He got in line. While he waited to check out, he saw a magazine that said, Releasing your inner demons and taking control. He flicked through the pages, seeing what it was, and decided to buy it. Releasing your inner demon and taking control. Hmm, this could work, just maybe. Ben grabbed his bag and went out to his car. He read what he needed to grab to make this work, and headed on his way. Back at the school, Lemur and Tommy were talking to Boss Steve, getting their assignments. Thanks for coming in, you guys. I've already swept your areas and just trash and dash. When you're done, we gotta go and set up for tonight's show. Oh, we know all about the show. We're playing it. All the more reason to get started. Tommy, you have kindergarten through second, and Lemur, you got third through sixth. Tommy and Lemur bust ass doing a great job cleaning. Four hours would pass, and Lemur would wander down in Tommy's area. It looked like he was still working. You see that poster on the wall? Nope, not anymore. Now, it's sanitized. Even the walls in the bathroom stalls have been sanitized. Lemur snuck up behind him and said, How about the toilets and the sink, you dink? Thanks for asking, Lem. You see, everything in the bathroom has been... Disinfected. <sighs> no, Lem, no. It's sanitized. You know I wonder if you're even going to make it to graduation. Get your hat out the game, meme. The only thing I can think about is rocking tonight's Battle of the Bands and then asking Fana on a date. <laughs> Good luck, but before you do it, you might just want to go up and ask Chuck Wood to punch in the face three times. That's his girl. Yeah, maybe for now, but maybe she's only with him until she can find something better. And look, it's me. I'm something better. <laughs> yeah, okay. Are you done yet? Hell yeah, I'm done. 
heard you coming. I thought you were Boss Steve. You want to blow this joint? He mimics getting his arm twisted behind his back. Ow! 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 Stop making it twisted my arm! I hurt! What the hell you doing, Liam? Nothing, just being a goofy asshole. Hell yeah, I want to blow that joint. As they were getting high, Lemur said, We should totally sneak out and pick up my base. I'm game. But how are you going to dupe out of this work? I'm just going to confidently walk to my car and then drive to the store like it's no big deal. Or you could ask Steve. Boss Steve appeared out of nowhere walking through the door outside by the garbage. I just smell skunky back here. Are you guys done yet? Tommy nudged Lemur forward and said, Go on. Go on, ask him. Ask me what? No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. So we finished cleaning up the bathrooms and grabbed all the trash. Is there any way you could let us duck out so I can get my new base? I got a counter offer. Go get your base and I'll give you an hour lunch today instead of a half hour. You rock, dude. Anything we can get you while we're out? No. Go get your base and come back here and help me set up the stage. After that, you're all good for the rest of the night. Or at least until we gotta clean up after the show. Then you're needed again. I don't know. Maybe give me a shout out while you're up on stage. Deal. Lemur and Tommy hurried up and got into Lemur's car and quickly drove to the music store. It was in a big plaza. There was a music store, Chinese food, a head shop, a video game store, and a specialty store. Mr. Penguin was waddling through the parking lot towards the head shop when Lemur arrived flying through the parking lot and parked his car. He got out and started running up to the music store. Tommy shortly followed him. As Lemur was running out towards the store, Mr. Penguin turned around and saw him approaching him fast. He started waddling faster because he thought he was going to get mugged. He moved so fast that he lost his balance and fell down. Lemur would pass him and run into the music store, but Tommy would slow down and help the fallen penguin up. Please don't mug me. I wouldn't dream of it. Take my claw, homie. As he helped the penguin get to his feet, he went to run into the music store. Wait, come back. Tommy returned to the penguin. He handed Tommy a wad of money. Here, take this. Good deeds should be rewarded. Don't spend it all in one place. He screamed to Tommy as he ran into the music store. Pen waddled over into the head shop and went inside. Hello, I'm looking for scented candles, some angel dust, and some saliva. You have come to the right place. We got all three. Very good, I'll take all three. All three of what? The candles, the dust, and the saliva. Oh, right. Got you. He grabbed the dust and saliva and rang it out. That'll be 1963. You forgot the candles. Oh, what kind of candles did you want again? Scented candles. How high are you right now? Are you cap? No, I work for human resources at a radio station. What radio? Oh, they look funny. I'm so high right now, man. I'm seeing stars all floating around. And there's a unicorn over there. Hi. The clerk grabbed the candles and rang them up. The total was 2020. Oh, that's pretty cool. Sorry about that, my man. Your new total is 2020, please. Mr. Penguin paid him the exact amount. You know, my brother and I do a podcast called Wake and Bake. He talks and I operate the board and song. If you ever need morning radio show, guys, please keep this in mind. Here, have a free guitar pick. It's magic! Send me a demo and we can go from there, as I'm looking to start my own radio station someday in the near future. He walked out of the head shop and headed over to his car. He looked in the bag and said, Alright, a free magic pick I'll probably never use. As he was walking through the parking lot, he threw it on the ground. Magic pick my ass. Do I really seem that gullible? He got in his car and went on his merry way. Meanwhile, back in the parking lot ten minutes ago, when Mr. Penguin went into the head shop, Lemur exited the music store and ran back to his car, all excited. What are you doing? I thought you didn't have any money. Are you gonna grab something, bro? Yes, I think I am. I know what I want. Just give me a minute. I'll meet you back at the car. Tommy literally emerged from the store as Lemur was getting out of his car to go in after him. Look what I managed to score! But how did you... You don't even have any money! Money isn't the only green thing that makes the world go around. Lemur was checking out his new base and Tommy was looking over his double kick pedal, a splash symbol, with Stan and his gal bell. Oh man, check this out. Active pickups. Look at that Robin A. Blue. Oh, and she burst just like a kid. Chill out, bird dog. You don't want to get the base dirty. 
Those white stains are hard to remove. <laughs> Tommy looked up and started watching Mr. Penguin go to his car. He saw him drop something. Whoa, did you see that? No, what, where? <gasps> that old bird just dropped something. Penguin walked to his car and dropped something, but continued walking. He got into his car and drove off. Tommy jumped out of the car and waved his arms to flag down Mr. Penguin, but he never saw him. Tommy went and got back into Lemur's car. What? What is it, dude? Anything good? As he got into the car, he made a happy turtle squeak. Ah, <laughs> oh, lame. It's a guitar pick. Here. Shatter! No. Shitty! Wait. I got this. It's a shattered shibby! Thanks, bro. Damn, look at this pick. It's so shiny. I can use it for tonight's show. And look, it goes great with my new bass. They started driving back to the school to get ready for the show. Tommy turned on the radio and Green Bay played. Ah, why aren't you changing the radio station? Hurry up and change it to be a dad. He screamed for as long as the song played on the radio. Tommy would hurry up and change the radio station. Oops, sorry, Lee. I know how much you love Green Day. I like how quick you were to change it. Dick. I know how much you hate that band, and that's why you scream. Don't get me wrong. I admit they got some serious talent. Just not my kind of sound. Worst punk band ever. Did you ever notice that there's two bands that come around at the same time that sound alike? Like Green Day and Blink-182, for example? I always liked Blink-182 more. They pulled up to school where Boss Steve sat outside waiting for them. Where have you two numbskulls been? Break under 20 minutes ago. Still gotta set up the stage for tonight's show. That's in like an hour. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Steve. We hit traffic. It's all gone. I'm just busting on ya. Damn, you reek of the devil's lettuce, Lemur. Lemur and Steve walked inside and stood in the school gym. Tommy lagged behind a little bit before walking through the door. See, Tommy smells like Hellfinger. Be more smelling like Tommy. Yeah, be more like Tommy, Lemur. <laughs> Lemur punched him in the arm while Boss Steve looked around the gym. He saw that the basketball players were using the whole court. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Stop playing. Time out. What's going on here? The gym is booked for the evening for tonight's Battle of the Band. Nobody wants to see these lame, wide ladies play. As Boss Steve looked around, all the basketball players gathered behind Chuck Wood. Where's Lucko? I'm in charge of these sorry sack of losers. And if we're gonna win state again, we need to practice. When and where we want. Boss Steve had had enough of the childish games. He went over to the switch and turned the gym into two separate parts. One side for the basketball players and the other side for the rockers. Chuck Wood would have to live with it as he did not have a key to undo it. That takes care of that chuckle home. Hey, thanks, Lunchbox. Don't call me long. Or I'll find more work for you. <laughs> You're the animal, Steve. What else do we gotta do? Well, I guess since we only have half the gym, everything is shut up. So we can go grab our gear and start to get ready for tonight's show? Sure, go ahead. But I need you after the show to clean up. And I want a shout out, damn it. Or my own song. We totally got you. We'll give you a song after we're all done and cleaned up. Sounds good? Sounds good. Total shatter, Steve. Any idea what song you guys are gonna do? We're keeping our set on the DL at the moment. You'll just have to come to one of our shows and check it out. Across town a few hours later, Penguin was setting something up in his basement. Let's hope this finally works. I'll never give up trying to free you, my good old chum. You saved me. It's now my time to return the favor. It was the possibility of releasing his old acquaintance and seeing him again. He was humming a jelly tune. He laid the dust of the angel into a star pattern inside of a circle. He placed a candle on each one of the points of the star. He placed the record in the center of the star and started dancing and chanting all around the circle, saying, M. Eslir, me Eslir, M. Eslir, me Eslir, M. Eslir, me Eslir. After a few moments, the record started floating in the air, spinning and glowing different colors. The record would stop on green and glow bright. A voice emerged and said, <sighs> Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, me, 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 select, start. Infinity lives, yeah. And remember, you must record. As 
the voice faded out, the record would stop glowing and floating in the air and fall to the ground and shatter. Pan couldn't believe it. As he went to jump on it and pick up the pieces, they reassembled themselves. A voice said, Don't give up. If I am to be free, you must surrender. Penguin was freaked out. He got up and ran out of his house and started screaming. Run. Lever and Tommy sat in his car listening to music getting ready for the show. We see the car slowly fill up with smoke to the point to where it's just smoke. We see Tommy get out of the car and spray himself with cologne, where Lemur gets out and just follows him, and does not spray himself down. As they are about to walk inside, you can hear a familiar scream running by in Sarah. Isn't that the same dude from earlier? The guitar big time! Oh man, I almost forgot! He pulled the pick out of his pocket. They walked inside and worked their way to the back where their instruments were. The principal stood up on stage and said, Check, check. Mike, check. Check, check. Can I have everybody please sit down? But if your name is Mike, please keep standing. Everybody in the room sat down, but a few people named Mike stayed standing. <laughs> Get it? Mike, check. The crowd goes silent except for a cricket that was still chirping. What? That shit was funny. All right, enough clowning around. Give it up for Airheads, the first band that played. Okay, here's the second band doing a punk cover. It's Payday. The band played a Green Day song. We see Lemur with his hands covering his ears, making humming sounds through the whole song. If that's not some good old-fashioned punk pop, then I don't know what is. Then you don't know what it is. The whole crowd busted out laughing. Rocky Raccoon, I heard that. Lemur walked inside the gym, and Tommy followed him. Rocky came running over to the guys and said, Hey guys, I just wanted to wish you good luck. The guys are gonna shatter that stage. Hey, thanks for coming, bro. You're gonna kick some serious bird dogging ass. Good luck. You don't need luck when you got talent. Lemur walked into the crowd, and Tommy went to his drum set and got it ready. As the song ended, the principal got up on stage again. All right, give it up for Payday. Don't forget to stick around and vote at the end. We got two bands left. Next up is Breaking the Law. The principal clapped, but that was it. Not even the cricket chirped. Lemur wandered through the crowd until he saw Fauna with the most prettiest girl he had ever seen. He stopped dead in his tracks and gazed at her all smitten. He began to flow towards the beautiful squirrel and Fauna and spoke. Hey Fauna, glad you could make it. Oh my Bugs Bunny, did you see that last act? Payday? <laughs> and Airheads before that? Oh my Josh, so lame. I'll be right back, I'm gonna go grab us a couple drinks, Fawn. No, I didn't see him, cause I only see winners. You know Fawn, my band's gonna win tonight. I don't know, Bloodstone actually sounds pretty good. I'm just joshing you. <laughs> don't doubt it. Lemur was awkwardly looking around and made a couple uncomfortable movements when Sadie returned with drinks. Lemur, Lamar, hello. Sorry, I was just imagining winning. Cause if you can make it happen in your mind, you can make it happen in real life. May take some time and a lot of effort though. Here sis. Thanks Sadie. Is that the name of your band, Lemur? She pointed to his shirt. Oh, she is so pretty. He imagined them holding hands, running through the park, eating spaghetti and kissing, him rocking up on stage, and Sadie right there next to him. Then came kids, then came a house, then came divorce, and then death. Lemur faded back to reality. Fauna looked back at her sister as they watched Lemur drool. She snapped her fingers. Lemur! What's Red Undead Lemmings? It's the name of my fan. Pretty cool, right? Only cool if you hook me up with a free shirt. Anything for a fan. I'm on next, so I gotta go get ready, ladies. But it was a pleasure meeting you, Sadie. And Fauna, like always, keep it real, girl. Thank you both very much for coming. Break a leg, Tiger. Lemur headed back to the instruments and was greeted by his band. Red was the guitarist and a vocalist. Lemur did bass and vocals as well. Tommy was the drummer. The band Bloodstone song ended, and they immediately jumped into another one, extending their playtime. It would be about halfway through the song before the principal pulled the plug on him and got up on stage with the police. The police proceeded to grab him and escort him off stage. The singer screamed, Get off me, piggy! 
The singer tripped the cop and they both went down. He quickly worked his handcuffs in front of his body and went to run out the door, but would be tackled by another cop. Lion face, roar! Baby kangaroo face, ooh! Red and Tommy started chanting with lemur. Lion face, roar! Baby kangaroo face, ooh! Lion face, roar! Baby kangaroo face, ooh! Lion face, roar! Baby kangaroo face, ooh! Everybody, please remain calm. I'm very sorry, but I have to disqualify Breaking the Law, as they ironically did what their song was about, and broke the law. The crowd booed him, as the band was really good. The principal said, Up next is Red Undead Lemmings. A lot of the crowd cheered, but there were some boos as well from the basketball players who stopped practicing to come over and watch. Tommy set up all of his drums at lightning speed, and the guys dragged their amps out. Red called out to the crowd. Hello, Eagle Mills High. The crowd cheered and said, Hello, Red. We're going to play a little cover song for you guys and hope you all enjoy it. Are you a man in a box? Lemur pulled the guitar pick from his pocket that Tommy had found in the parking lot. When he struck the bass, the sound was much better than he anticipated. It was powerful and crunchy sounded. They started to play Alice in Chains, Man in the Box. After the song ends, the guys look back at each other, nodding at a job well done. The crowd cheered, but also had a few boos as well. The boos came from the band Payday and the basketball brats. The principal walked up on stage. Okay, everybody, please gather inside the gym as we are looking to vote for the winner. Tommy interrupted him and kicked into his drum solo, and the crowd lost it. Tommy played drums to the floor, to the stands, the speakers, a bucket that he had with a cowbell. It went on for three minutes before Tommy finished. Are you done now? Don't be such a dandy. Jeez. Okay, now that everyone is here, let's vote. How many people want Red Undead Lemmings to win? Raise your hand. Everyone in the crowd cheered. What? You Come on, said. get some, get some. Lemur said, ready to fight the booers. The principal tried his best to count, but it looked like everybody liked him. Okay, I think I got the number. Now, how about payday? The crowd cheered, but it was only about half the crowd. Okay, and finally, Airheads. Nobody knew who they were as they all wore masks at this point, but it was the same band that we met a few episodes ago. The principal was delivered the winner through a note. Alright, I think we have a winner. The whole gym went dead silent. A cricket chirped and said, Yeah, red on dead lemming! Somebody whispered him his error. He immediately stopped. The principal said, And the winner is... Red Undead Lemming. The band rushed to the stage. I gotta ask, why Red Undead Lemmings? Well, I'm Red, and I'm a lemming. Duh. I came up with the undead part to add pizzazz to our name. I did nothing but play bass and write my own joke songs. 
They got a trophy and a free year of pizza at Papa Marino's. Okay, pups, cubs, hatchlings. You can't stay here, but you don't have to go home. Wait, did I say that right? I mean, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah, that makes more sense. Everybody started exiting the gym, except for Tommy and Lemur. They began to sweep the floor and pick up the piles of trash left behind. It would take them about 30 minutes. When they were done, Boss Teeth would appear. I'll be right. You guys killed it at tonight's show. Hey, thanks, Birdong. I'm always happy to meet another fan. I think we're all good, boss. Do you need us to do anything else? Boss Teeth looked around at the half of the gym, and it was spotless. Nope, you guys did an excellent job of like always. But I gotta know, where's my song I was promised, dammit? Tommy went and grabbed Red from the parking lot. Hold on, we're on it. He came inside and would sit on the stage. Lemur would join him as they waited for Red, Lemur said. You know what, Tommy? I think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. What, sit on stage or cleaning up after the show? No, play the show for lots of people. We're getting really good for it, dog. We were most excellent tonight. You know, if I couldn't be a musician, I guess I'd want to be a radio dish jockey. At least then I can control the music being played. Good call. Then you could play our band, like, once every hour. Yeah, of course. Hell yeah. I totally concur. Touring the world, playing music, having fun and lots of fans, sign me up. You know what I could also see you doing? What, Cooper Scooper, man? <laughs> Nah, leave it for that runt rock. <laughs> but seriously, you have a unique voice, Liam. You ever considered voice acting? Like what? Voicing commercials? Video games? Or reading people's stories? Or cartoons? Lemur thought about what Tommy said. Lemur did have a unique voice that he could change. Hey, did you notice that Miss Ames was here at the show tonight? She was here for me. Oh, yeah? Then I guess Miss McElroy and Miss Doss were here to see me. Oh, flippity floppity bird dog. They are so hot. Red walked in from outside and they all went to their instruments. Do you got any request, Box Lunch? Um, give me a song that you guys wrote. Not a cover one. And don't call me that. <laughs> okay, this song goes out to the coolest boss anybody could ever have. Thanks for everything, Lunchbox. Boxer, you get to clean out the grease trap in the kitchen for your Box Lunch comment, jackass. What? Really? Come on, I was only joking. Well, guess what? So am I. Ha <laughs> ha. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs>